The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Keeper Cut, the podcast for keeper decisions, auto new leagues, everything about long-term fantasy baseball. We are excited to be here today with a special episode. We already released our episode for this week, but we're coming back with another. The reason is on the PitcherList Discord, there's been a bunch of questions about keepers. People have their keeper decisions coming up this week, last week, very soon as the season is approaching. And we're the Keeper League podcast. So with all those questions out there, we thought maybe we should answer some. And so here we are to answer some of those questions. If you're not a member of PL Plus, you should join. The Discord is a great place to talk baseball, get fantasy advice, and really just join a great community of people. But with all those questions coming up, we wanted to make some answers. This is Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball. We also have a special guest today, our first ever guest on the Keeper Cut podcast, Adam Howe. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Chad. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pretty honored to be someone's first guest ever. That's a pretty big deal. And Adam, we're loving the two to one Red Sox to Indians <laughs> fan ratio we got going on here now. This is now the proper ratio for Keeper Cut. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can see. Are how we you loving that, that really? <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, I got to be honest. You are our first guest, but only because Alex Fast is really hard to schedule because we, we, we reached out to him to do an episode with him a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, I can pencil you in at the end of March. So we're recording with him later this month. You can always just hold off on the episode and put his before mine, but then the information is probably not going to be as relevant. Yeah, I, th- I think if we answer a bunch of people's keeper questions and then post them three weeks later, they might be a little annoyed. That's, that's not what we're going for here. So we are excited to be answering these questions. We got a lot of these questions through the Pitcherless Discord. We also got some through our Twitter feed. You can follow us on Twitter at keep or cut. That's cut with a K. So you can follow us there. You can follow me on Twitter at Chad Young. Pete is at Pete B Baseball. And Adam, why don't you tell them a bit about where they can find you and your work? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at 80 grade. It's all spelled out. And then you can listen to me and my co-host Kevin Hastings over on On The Wire podcast. You can listen to that pretty much anywhere you're listening to this podcast. You can follow that at On The Wire pod on Twitter. And then I, I write some regular articles over at Pitcher List as well, including about twice a week. I'm on part of Rick Graham's reliever team. Uh, so looking at bullpen work throughout the season, uh, looking for vulture wins, looking for guys that are moving up the pecking order, if you will, in the bullpens. 
Um, and then I'm going to be joining the uh, batter's box team as well, looking at, you know, hot hitters throughout the league and seeing if any of those guys are actionable. It goes really well with our pod on the wire. We work at, we look at fab bids and where to use your money properly. So looking to see if any of those things are actionable and if it's a wise use of your fab money. Awesome. Yeah. Adam's got a lot of great content out there. Good guy. Well worth following. So, so jump on his Twitter and, and check out the pod. Pete and I actually were guests on On The Wire recently, just recorded a couple days ago. So we're, we're spending lots of time with you this weekend, Adam. <laughs> did an episode where we looked at the end of drafts. A, we did a, a draft between Adam's pod, our pod, and one other where we had to pick guys whose ADP is after 350. Really good names for those of you in, in deeper leagues or looking at the end of your drafts or, or starting to think about your free agent bids because some of these guys didn't get drafted in leagues and they'll be available to you. You should definitely check out On The Wire. There's some, some great stuff there. And so we invited Adam today for really for lots of reasons. He's a good fantasy analyst, lots of good information to add, but there are two very specific ones. One is... One of the questions we're going to answer today is one of Adam's questions. He had some keeper questions for us, and we thought, hey, why don't you come on and ask us live on the pod? The other is that one of the questions we're going to look at today has a fab component to it. And given that Adam is the free agent acquisition expert, we wanted to have him on to, to weigh in on that one. Pete, we talk about this a lot with keeper leagues, that how many keepers you have, is there a cost associated with them, all that stuff. Every league has these unique rules this fab one that we're, we're going to talk about this later in the episode, but this fab one is one of the more unique ones. Are there any other sort of like weird keeper rules you've seen? Weird? Not exactly, but I, I am a fan. We've talked about this in the past of giving up the round of the player where you kept them. And I'm, we're going to see at least one question where that's the case. But our last question today is definitely, I think the weirdest one I have seen where the fab, there's a fab cost associated with any veterans that you choose to i'm just imagining i'm i league manage multiple leagues and i am trying to imagine managing a league where you have to keep track <laughs> of all of those individual rules so that one i thought was fascinating but myself no unfortunately i have been playing on espn for like 15 years now and they're really limited in the creativity that you're allowed to take with keepers. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in one where we have a minor league draft where it's the only way you can add players is through the minor league draft. And there are salary slots associated with each pick of the two-round draft. And then when you promote a guy, he goes to that salary. And there's all this weirdness, though, around this time of year with it because if you promote a guy during the season... They're now on your active roster, and if you want to keep them, they count against your 14 keepers you're allowed to have. If you wait and hold the guy and promote them after the keeper deadline, then they don't count as a keeper. They can become sort of a 15th bonus keeper. And if you aren't ready to promote them now, you have to forfeit the pick that you used last year to keep them. So like, I took Nolan Jones in the second round of that draft last year. Homer pick, but I love the guy. It's an OBP league. He's you know huge OBP. And... I had to make a decision because I didn't promote him last year because he never came up. He was still on my minor league roster. So there was no way I was going to promote him before the keeper deadline. So I made my keeper decisions. Then I had a choice to make. Do I promote him and put him on my active roster and give up a bench spot in a league where we only have five bench spots in a head-to-head daily moves league where that can hurt you? Or do I keep him in the minors? But if I keep him in the minors, I forfeit my second round pick for this year to do that. So I get I either give up a bench spot or I give up a, a pick in the draft. And so... There are those like weird, quirky things. I end up deciding to promote him. I think he's going to be up 
by midseason, and so I'll forfeit that bench spot for a little while. Because other people are forfeiting their picks, my second round pick, which was supposed to be like 23rd, is going to end up more like 17th or 18th. There's a lot of guys missing from the draft pool, but there were enough guys that I decided it was worth the risk to give up a bench spot, and we'll see. But I, I love that. It's one of the fun things I think about keeper leagues is, you know, what's the structure of the league and how does it play and how does that impact player values? So with that, I think we should dive into our first question. This comes from Drew Skis 86 on the Pitcher List Discord. He is in a 12-team dynasty, 5x5, five five, but the five offensive categories are runs, home runs, stolen bases, average, and OPS. He's made most of his decisions, it sounds like, and he's just asking us for some advice at the very end of his roster. He doesn't have a second baseman. And he's got three choices. He has two spots left on his team. So he theoretically could keep two of these guys, but he's not sure. The three guys he's looking at are Josh Rojas, Brendan Rogers, and Nico Horner. Rogers is $1. The other two guys are five. So Rojas for $5, Horner for $5, or Rogers for one. He's got $9 to spend on these two open spots. So what this means is he could keep Rogers and have $8 left to fill one spot at auction. He could keep one of the other guys and have $4 left to spend at auction, or he could keep them both and just be done. And that would be his, his roster. A little bit of context missing because we don't know the rest of the roster, but a, an interesting situation, right? Salary is assigned here. It's a dynasty league, so he's kept almost a full roster. He's got very little left. I imagine the auction will be rather dull and uninteresting if everybody's keeping full rosters. Pete, why don't we start with you? What do you think of this? So the first thing that actually stood out to me, Chad, is that he regards Ty France as just a, quote, other possible flyer. When next to the names Rojas, Rogers, and Horner, I think France belongs right in that class, just 26 years old. I, have you guys ever seen Ty France's 2019 numbers at the PCL? No, can't say that I have. Okay, so uh, this is it's the PCL, sure. so, like, you know, take it for what it's worth. But in 2019 at AAA, Ty France hit 27 homers. He hit 399. His batting average was 399, and his OPS was 1,247. I mean, that's kind of crazy. It's an outlier. I'm not saying that's who Ty France is, but I think there's more potential there than perhaps we realize. And when you look at what he's doing this spring and you consider that he's going to be essentially an everyday player for the Mariners, a team that's improving offensively, I would give him some strong consideration, but I think both of you know where my heart is with this question, and that is with Brendan Rodgers, even with the hamstring injury, which, Chad, by the way, I mean, we were joking before about how he's going to, quote, try to steal bases. He hurt his hamstring trying to steal a base, so I don't know if he's now going to reconsider that going forward. I think forward. That, that 20 stolen base goal he set maybe <laughs> – I, you know, I, I'm not in any – conversations with the Rockies, but I imagine somewhere in that clubhouse, somebody saying to him, you sure about that, man? <laughs> you, you really going to try and steal 20? Right. Because now it's, he's attempted two steals. He's been thrown out both times and the second time ended up hurting his hamstring. So yeah, that maybe he's going to start reassessing it or who knows, maybe, I don't know his personality. Maybe he's like, no, nah, I'm going to try even harder now. Um, but Rogers is my pick. I really like Nico Horner especially because of the speed and because of how rare speed is. And he actually is fast, unlike Rodgers, and will be able to steal those bases. But the the $5 price tag, when I could have Rodgers for just a buck, really changes my mind. So I, I think I'd actually rank them Rodgers, then France, 
then Nico Horner, who again, I like, and then Josh Rojas. Yeah, I think he put France sort of on a separate list because I don't know if France is second base eligible in that league. I guess he must be because he that's sort of all he did last year right i can't really remember that might be why he's on a separate list but i I agree i was sort of surprised that he he threw france in as an afterthought almost compared to those guys but adam what about you what do you think about this yeah i mean i'm on board i mean if nothing else it's the price alone rogers has the ability to give you the most upside of everybody on here in colorado early in the offseason after they cut david Dahl, came out and said that they're willing or able to give their younger guys or other other players more opportunity and they they were specifically talking about the outfield per se but that's still being able to put those outfielders out there like like sam hilliard and what have you and with ian desmond out of the season once again it does leave the opportunity that rogers is going to be an everyday player obviously there's another opening at third base he'll be able to be in there most every day. Now, I, I think that the 20 stolen base thing that he talked about was a little lofty as well. But Colorado runs. Like, Colorado is not afraid to run. I think they ranked last year, and I know it was a shortened season, but they were eighth in total stolen bases, and they didn't get caught a lot either. So they're not afraid to, you know, let their guys run amok a little bit, at least if they have the ability to. And if he has shown that he really wants to do it, and he's not going to get hurt every time he tries to do it, then this is, I think this is an opportunity. Every time, Adam, every other time. <laughs> oh, excuse, sorry. He, he, he tried once without getting hurt. It was the second time. <laughs> we'll see if there's a pattern then. But, I mean, with the other guys, I mean, Rojas, he, he's fun and interesting. Horner is probably the guy that I'd be most interested of everybody else that's left just because you know he's going to play every day. He's set. But at a $5, I'd rather take that $5 um and go into the auction and you know what you might even just get horner or france or any of these guys you're going to drop either at that price or at a, at a lower price in your auction as well first of all i tend to agree i would go with rogers he's he's the most upside of these guys and you could argue that horner is safer because i think horner's playing time is safer but there's a lot of risk in his you know what he produces with that playing time rojas may not even be on the team like I, we don't know exactly what his role is going to be so I, i'm totally on board with with rogers i think the interesting question here is would you rather than have eight dollars left in this draft for one spot we don't know exactly who's going to be available but we can make some assumptions based on this guy's decision. You know, Drewski's is making this choice. I assume his league mates are making similar choices. Would you rather have $8 to go into the auction or would you add Horner to Rogers, finish off your team and have both an upside play and a little bit of a safer play at second base? Would you take France and go with the two sort of upside plays and, and have both of those guys? Or would you just save the eight bucks, go into the auction and maybe, like I said, maybe get one of these guys back. Maybe you don't, but, at least then you get some flexibility to to see what's out there. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing, Chad. I mean, the two roster spots kind of makes it difficult, and because if there was more than that, I would I would honestly want to keep both Rogers and France because I'm not sure how much France is. He says Rogers one dollar, the others five dollars, but because he listed France as a possible other flyer, I'm curious if what his price is. I'm not sure if he would definitely be the five bucks there. So maybe there's other. There's more wiggle room on his roster where he, if France is a dollar or something like that, keep both Rogers and France. And now you've got seven bucks. Maybe you can cut somebody else to open up a roster spot. But I think you hit the nail on the head where at worst you let those three, you keep Rogers, you let Horner, Rojas and France go back into the auction. And they're probably not going to go for much more than what you have left to spend. 
So I think I think that would be the right way to go. Keep one, keep the cheapest one, and then leave your options open. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with that. Being able to and you you still open yourself up to being able to get the guy you want, the backup, a Horner, Rojas, France, even at a lower price than five dollars. Especially if you know you wait long enough in your auction, don't you know don't send them out there for the rest of your team to bid. Let everybody kind of spend their money, and if you really want them. Don't put them out for a dollar, put them out for $2 instead and see if anybody's willing to like jump it up. Pete, I'm with you. If France is only a dollar, like then, then why not do dollar days with those two guys and you still have plenty of money to take into the auction. If France is five, I'm still in the opinion, just keep Rogers and throw everybody else back and kind of hope you get one of them back if you in your auction. It's an interesting question. I, I got a question from a guy whose handle on the auto new Slack is Sean. Sean had asked me, where do you decide or how do you decide about keeping versus cutting a guy, whether you should be aggressive about trying to sort of sneak a player back through the auction and get him back for less, or just suck it up, keep him, hold him for whatever price you've got, rather than thinking, oh, maybe, you know, he's five bucks, maybe I can get him for three. And I think this is an interesting scenario where that question comes into play. I think because, at least to me, France and Horner are sort of these end of draft guys anyways. I would be a little bit sort of risk-taking here and throw them back and think, hey, maybe I can get someone better. Or maybe I get them back anyways and I save a little bit of money. But if I don't, if you know, if I throw France back and it goes for 10 bucks, then whatever, I move on. It's not the end of the world. I'm a lot more risk-averse with more expensive guys. Like if I've got a guy who's like 40 bucks, who I think I might be able to sneak through the auction at 35, I'm much more likely to just say, forget it. I'm going to keep him at 40, eat the $5 loss and not not give up this, you know, star player is that something you guys think about like hey i'm gonna throw this guy back and try to try to sneak him in through cheap yeah absolutely i, I just did that in my aunt new league uh this past off season i guess the issue was so did the rest of the league uh like we had a just lot threw everybody of, oh they held everybody was, no no they everybody cut a uh, bunch of players there were a bunch of really good players and we just did our second year auction last night and there were just a really a lot of good players so like i threw back you know mancata mike moustakis and a couple other guys that i just think were like either on the edge of how much they should be being paid or just over thinking you know what if i wait a little bit longer in the auction you know maybe i can sneak them through and it didn't work for both of those i got I got other players that I think at decent values. It, it, I guess it's going to depend on how many players are being sent back into your auction and what your choices are. If you're the only one that ends up cutting like a $20 third baseman and he's the best one available, somebody's probably going to bid him up. It's supply and demand, if you will. So typically I, I would be the one that sends the more expensive players back in thinking that you could sneak them in a little bit cheaper, but it really depends on your room and the players that you're playing with and what their tendencies are as well. And the longer you've been playing in a league like that in any auction that you're going to, you're going to have a better feeling or a better grip on what to expect. I think, I think my approach would actually be a little bit different. I would want to be really sure that I'm going to be okay if I don't end up getting this player back. I think we're at a point where like with Twitter and baseball savant, like, Everybody knows these guys, right? Like, I mean, if you're paying, everybody knows that Brendan Rodgers has had a max exit velocity this spring of 115.6 miles an hour. That is not a secret anymore. 
Whereas maybe, you know, 10 years ago before all this information was so Everyone only knows that about Brendan Rodgers because Pete Ball has talked about it (laughs) nonstop. I've seen, I've been on, this is now the third podcast I've been on where you've talked about it. I've seen you tweet out that max exit velocity. You are, you are the official Brendan Rodgers hype man without a doubt. Yeah. If Nick Senzel, Brendan Rodgers and Tanner Houck all bust, I, I have to change my name, move to another state. So you know, hopefully one of them at least hits. So I've helped somebody out there. No, I mean, jokes aside, like, and I'll try to leave Brendan Rodgers out of it. There's, there are players out there that I like, I don't know if they're really sleepers anymore. And, I, and I've talked about this in the past, but it's just like in the leagues that probably our listeners play in that we play in there, we're playing with 11 other guys, 14 other guys who, or girls who know this information well. And, and it's, it's hard to really size up a sleeper. I think Chad, you did well with with Whitgren, right? Like, I think that's like a you're a, the fan of the team, and you just kind of have a pulse for that. So even though there's no clear reports that he's going to be the closer, it's like a little bit of inside knowledge because of how much you pay attention to that team. But I think those instances are rare, and so if there's a player who I have who I'm comfortable with the price, and I'm worried, like I don't know if I get this player back in the draft, or this could blow up in my face because I might end up paying five more dollars than he's worth right now. I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to keep my guys and hold on to them. The, the league I mentioned where I did that draft with the minor league draft a couple of years ago going into the auction, I had my eye on Shane Bieber. And at the time, Bieber was getting some hype in the fantasy baseball community. There was some talk about him on fan graphs, but he was a guy who's like his minor league numbers were mostly around command and control. He wasn't striking out gaudy numbers of people. He hadn't really done a ton in 2018. Like he'd been good, but his overall numbers weren't that great. And I thought, okay, I'm really familiar with him. I bet I can sneak him through in this auction. I think he's probably a, you know, a $15 pitcher because at that point I didn't realize just how great he was going to be. I think he's probably a $15 pitcher. I bet I can sneak him through for like five or six bucks. We have limited numbers of keepers anyway. So he's in the auction. I get into the room. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And when I go to nominate him fairly late in the game, I ended up getting bid up over 20 bucks. I ended up losing him because I basically decided I couldn't afford to spend 20 bucks on him at that time. And it was, this was a guy who I thought, like, this is a sleeper who's going to sneak through. Somebody might push me to 10 to $15, but that's fine because I'm willing to spend that on him. And it just kept going. And I think that happens That happens a lot these days, is that these, these guys you think you can sneak through, you can't. So I do tend to, when I've got a guy like that, if I had that Bieber at $15 on my team and thought maybe I can get him for 10 I probably would have kept him, probably should have. But... It's hard to know. And I think in this case, looking at Drewski's team, I think Rodgers is the right first choice. And I do think I would throw the others back and see what happens. But I wouldn't hesitate to buy back Florida or France if they're the best option for, for his money. So let's jump over to our second question. And this one also comes from the Pitcherless Discord, but it comes very specifically from our guest, Adam Howe. Adam, why don't you give us the background on your team and what you're deciding. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys' take on this. So this is a dynasty league that I, I've had, my home dynasty league, back, started in 2001, been around for a while. We have a rosters of 26. We keep 21. There are some interesting uh, keeper rules, if you will. Like you, we have a minor league draft. It's not exactly a first-year player draft. It's, you know, all minor league uh, universe, if you will. And it's the only time you can add minor leaguers. You can't add them throughout the year as well. We, have, we give 
we give four-year contracts to our draft picks as well. It doesn't matter if they get called up to the majors or not. You can hold on to them in your minor league system for up to four years. So it makes interesting. Time manipulation is definitely a thing in this in our league, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Trying to recreate real Major League Baseball, you know? Yeah. You can't be exploiting <laughs> players. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we don't no contracts. It's a keep forever style. There's no penalty for keeping players. You have I mean, you don't have to keep 21. There's actually there's a weird benefit of keeping 20 players. You get an extra fifth round pick in the uh, supplemental draft, which is not really much to look at, but it's only been taken advantage of once in 21 years, so not a good rule. So we've got standard rosters uh, on the offensive side with the addition of an extra infielder spot and an extra outfielder spot. Uh, so there's four outfielders, all your infielder positions, plus a general infield position as well. So that can be for second, third, or short. And then we have your typical Yahoo pitching roster starting positions. So you have two starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and three pitcher spots and it's a daily league so we can rotate in and out we have a four ad drop limit per week as well so trying to limit the streaming as much as possible especially in a daily league i don't know if you guys want me to i guess for the the benefit of our listeners i i guess i'll list off the entire roster quickly we got buster posey vladdy max muncie glaber torres xander bogarts matt chapman george springer kyle tucker Sam Hilliard, Andrew McCutcheon, Jesse Winker, and Dalton Varsho on the offensive side. Oh, plus Garrett Hampson. And on the pitching side, I've got Bauer, Sonny Gray, Maeda, Zach Greinke, Zach Allen, Robbie Ray, Jordan Montgomery, Dean Kramer, Nick Pavetta, Daniel Hudson, Richard Rodriguez, James Karinczak, Devin Williams, and Nick Anderson. Now there's 27 players on that list because Garrett Hampson was called up from my minor league system last year. Uh, so I was able to keep an extra person into the offseason. But I still have to cut down to 21 total players. So from this list, I've got to cut six players going into the draft. I mean, personally, I think that there's some obvious keepers in here, more of the you know the final final couple guys. And uh, I one caveat is that I do have to keep Buster Posey. One of the other weird keeper rules we have is we have a long-term IL spot where guys who go on the 60-day IL we can throw on to this ghost IL list. But the rule on that, if you put a guy on there, it does open up a roster spot onto your active roster so you can try to be more competitive during the season. But you do have to keep him next year. So he better be decent. And I've got a soft spot in my heart for Buster Posey. He went opted out of the season last year, so he was eligible to go into this IL spot for us. And uh, I've had him his whole career on this roster. So I knew I was going to keep him anyway for posterity for his what could be his final year of his career. Who's who's to say? He, I do have to keep Posey. Everybody else is up for grabs. So typical 5 by 5 league. He said daily. It's on Yahoo. So all these guys have multiple position eligibility as well. And I think to your point, there are some obvious keeps here. I think one of the things I, I talked to you about that you confirmed for me is that like Glaber Torres has second base eligibility, which means that you can start Vlad at first, Glaber at second, Chapman at third, Xander at short, and Muncie as your your infielder at large. Because of that, you can keep all five of those guys pretty easily. I think those are all no-brainers. Posey becomes the sixth offensive guy for sure. I think in your outfield, Springer and Tucker are no-brainers. That's now eight. And then on your pitching side, for me, the the immediate answers, Bauer, Gray, Maeda, Gallen. I think Rich Rodriguez, just because he seems to be the closer. 
much in a dynasty. Like it, it can be hard to get those saves. Karinchak and Williams for their long-term value. Anderson's a, an elite reliever. So those guys to me were no-brainers, which which gave me I think 16, leaving you with 11 more guys for five spots. Is there anyone else who was super obvious to you, Pete, that you looked at and you were like, yeah, no way you would cut this guy? No, there wasn't. Uh, I, I was on board with all of those when I saw those in the notes, Chad. The one thing is like, I would personally love to cut Richard Rodriguez to keep Sam Hilliard. However, like you said, Richard Rodriguez, out of those four names, as amazing as those other three relievers are, and those are three of the best relievers in baseball, Richard Rodriguez might lead that group in saves this year. So that made him solid to like need to be kept oh and one name that that you didn't have chad that i would definitely keep would be zach Greinke. i know he's not flashy for the strikeouts but i am very nervous about starting pitcher this year yeah i think i I, the only reason i didn't put Greinke in my definite keepers list is because in a in a dynasty league like this where i feel like i might have to make some tough choices one of the things that can be a tiebreaker for me is who i think i might keep next year or the year after and Grinky is getting to that point where he could retire at any time. He could fall apart at any time. I do think at the end, I ended up deciding he he belongs on this team and, and should be kept. But I, I left him off that sort of initial list, just sort of waiting to see, like, is there somebody else I'm more excited about long term? Especially because, like, let's be honest with Grinky, I, his, his personality, like, I don't know if he's going to be the guy who's like, I love baseball. I always love baseball. And he's going to be like Jamie Moyer and pitching forever. And he's a, he's a smart enough pitcher that he will figure out ways to continue to get guys out, even if it's uninter- unexciting, I guess, not uninteresting. It'll always be interesting with Zach Greinke. Or if he's going to just like wake up one day and be like, this was fun. I'm done. I just have no idea what to expect from him. And so at the end of the day, I think he, he does belong on that list. For me, there were a couple of, of obvious cuts as well. One of those is Daniel Hudson, who just... I get why you had him because he was saving games at times last year, but he has no value now, so he can go away. And Dean Kramer is just not a guy I'm a fan of. And so for me, he was a pretty easy cut as well. Pete, you want to make a case for keeping either of those guys? You're good with that as well. I'm completely on board with that. So that left us now with nine guys for five spots. Those nine guys on the offensive side are Hilliard, Kutch, Winker, Varsho, and Hampson. And on the pitching side, Grinky, Ray, Montgomery, and Pavetta, I then went in and I was like, I, I think Montgomery's upside is higher than any of the others long term. I also think he should get pretty good run with the Yankees this year. We only have kept two outfielders so far. So I was like, all right, who are the next outfielders I would keep? Because I know you need to start four. I was a little torn here between different names, but ended up going with with McCutcheon and Winker, just because I think they bring the most sort of immediate value for you. And they're... They're less risky than Hilliard, who's the other name that I considered here. And Pete, I know you're a Hilliard fan, so where I ended up was keeping those two and, and letting Hilliard go, but man, it was a tough call. It was. That was the that was the ultimate toughest decision for me was between Sam Hilliard and Andrew McCutcheon. I love Andrew McCutcheon and what made me go in his direction as opposed to Hilliard, who, you know, as you said, I'm I'm really in on this year is that if McCutcheon is leading off for those Phillies, he still has the on-base ability to easily score 100 runs. And if he surprises us with 15 stolen bases because his sprint speed, it's not like it's it's gone way down or something like that, then he's going to end up being pretty valuable. The speed, though, of Hilliard was tough to pass up on because I do think he could steal 30 bags this year. He has the sprint speed to do it. Like Adam said, the Rockies like to run. 
if he gets consistent playing time, he's going to steal a lot of bases. And that looked like something that this team could use. But I don't think McCutcheon could be that far off in the stolen base department. And, and the on-base ability, the consistency, the leadoff spot in the lineup, it it was a tough decision, but that's why I took McCutcheon over over Hilliard. Got it. So then with with Cutchin, I think it makes sense. You got Cutch Winker. Are you good with Montgomery as well? I mean, I think you're you're good with him. I do. It's kind of like for a weird reason. Like all the pictures from spring training, he seems like a little puppy next to Garrett Cole. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's 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 gonna happen. Like his 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 juju, it's like Space Jam is gonna rub off onto Jordan Montgomery. I mean, but no, but from like a real perspective, if it's Montgomery versus Pavetta. I want to go Pavetta, the Red Sox fan in me, and I think Pavetta does have a lot of upside, but I think Montgomery's a lot safer. I think he's going to get a lot of wins this year, um, so that's that's why I went with him. That's a, that's also a tough call, but but Montgomery, I think for sure. Yeah. So now we we have we've basically gotten rid of Kramer, Hudson, and Pavetta. Those are three guys we're saying I think agreed are gone. We're we've both not made a decision to keep Hilliard, but I think we're, we'd both like to keep him if we could. So we got to see who else is left. I think Robbie Ray has to go. I get the upside of him potentially returning and striking out a bunch of guys. But at this point, you have you only get five starting pitcher spots. It's not a league set up for a lot of streaming, up to five starting pitcher slots, I should say. Right? You have two relievers, two starting pitchers, and three pitcher spots. If you're using Krinchak, Williams, Anderson, and Richrod basically every day, you're you're down to just a couple of spots left for starters. We're already keeping Bauer, Gray, Maeda, Gallen, now Grinky and Montgomery. And so I'm at that point, Ray and Pavetta, we've talked a little bit about I'm just I just don't think you need them. I don't know. Oh, I, I am so out on Robbie. Robbie Ray, just no. Do not keep Robbie Ray, Adam. I think I would cut Robbie Ray before every other player. <laughs> so I want to ju- I want to jump in on this one. This I, I know I'm supposed to just let you guys tell me what to do here, but I think this actually goes into a um, a, a greater uh, strategy, if you will. So a little context on Robbie Ray on my on this roster. I splurged and I gave up a lot of collateral to acquire Robbie Ray about a year ago, or just over a year ago, and so. I won't get into the details about how much I spent too much in that trade. I gave up way too much, but it's kind of like, I, I, I'm kind of looking at it as like you're playing a hand of poker and do I have too many chips into the pot? Do I need to just go with it and see if it ends up being worth it? Or when do I cut a player like that and just say, it's just, it's a, it's just the lost cause kind of like the Wade Davis situation in Colorado. It's like when like you hear people all the time, just like just cut bait. Like, I know he costs a lot of money. He's going to waste a lot of money, but you just cut bait. He's hurting you more. Or even like Chris Davis in Baltimore or what have you. The reality is like, it's not a game of poker, right? Because you could always buy back into Robbie Ray at any time, right? In poker, you've got all this money on the table. And the question becomes, for for five more bucks, I could win this 500 that's on the table. But that's not the deal with with Robbie Ray, right? That money that's on the table, that's gone. Which you can't, right? It's a it's a sunk cost. You've lost whatever you gave up, which it sounds like was a little too much. So, but having given that up, I think you just have to look at your team and decide: is he one of the twenty one best keepers on this team? It doesn't matter what you what it costs to get him, given that there's no cost to keep him, right? Where cost matters here is if you said Grinky's twenty five bucks to keep and Ray is one dollar to keep. 
Okay, well, maybe then it's a different conversation. I still don't think it is because I'm, I'm out on Robbie Ray right now. But at least then there's a debate to be had. But the fact that you gave up a lot for Robbie Ray last year, you're not getting that back if you keep him, right? In a game of poker, you might actually get back the money you put in if things break your way. The stuff you gave up to get Robbie Ray, it's gone. So don't, don't throw good money after bad. Yeah, Adam, I, I hear you there, but I'm, I'm with Chad on this one. I think it's obvious, right? But you could look at it and say, I really lost that trade. Well, you can continue to lose that trade even worse if you hold on to this guy and he just continues to pitch batting practice. I mean, it was last year where it looked like, was it a delivery change? She had more of a, an arm hitch and it, it looked like in spring, like, whoa, Robbie Ray is going to be amazing. And then it immediately went south. I'm, I'm out on him in the AL East and, and everything else. If he has a great year, you know, I apologize, but I, I am out on Robbie Ray. Yeah, that's a, that's all valid. Yeah, it was his arm circle. He shortened up his arm circle last spring and jumped on that train pretty hard. And obviously it's bitten me quite a bit. If you think that the shortened arm circle is always interesting, if you think that maybe he's just taking a little time to get used to that and he's going to get his, you know, get a little more control back this year, like you can get him back. There aren't going to be a lot of people clamoring for him in your, your draft or auction or whatever, however you're, you're re-adding players. So I, I think... Oh no, somebody somebody will draft them out of spite in this league, for sure. <laughs> let, let them. <laughs> if I drop them. <laughs> yeah. What I will say, Adam, is I even if, let's say Robbie Ray all of a sudden kicks it up a notch and, and he's a pretty solid starter, I really like your pitching in this league. I think, especially for volume, like you've got Bauer, Maeda, Gowan, like, and Granky. And I, I know Sonny Gray, but I still won't view him as, as a volume guy. But those are guys who I think go deep into their outings. They're, they're solid pitchers. They're going to give you strikeouts. I just don't think Robbie Ray's needed. Maybe because of the innings they give you, it kind of offers you the ability to take on a player like Robbie Ray because you, like, you could absorb it if he's negative. But given who you'd have to then not keep to keep Robbie Ray, I'd still want to avoid it. I think your pitching's in good shape. Having gotten through this list so far, what we are basically down to is, like Adam said, he has to cut six. We've basically agreed on, and Adam, you can take it or leave it. Robbie Ray should get cut. Kramer should get cut. Hudson should get cut. Pavetta should get cut. That leaves us with needing to make two more cuts, I believe, out of Hilliard, Varsho, Hampson. Is that right? You can keep one of those three, basically, or you could keep none of them and keep Ray, I guess. But and I think this might be the one place where where Pete and I sort of differed. Pete, it looks like you're you're making the case to keep Varsho. I am. I am. I, the, it's because of Buster Posey, and and there's no other catcher on this roster. And I think not only is Varsho the I, to me that would that wouldn't necessarily be a reason to keep Varsho if it was just like oh my catcher might retire this year. I guess I need to keep a catcher to back him up. But, you know, is Posey going to be there every day? Otherwise, I don't have a catcher on my bench if he's not playing every day. And even if Varsho starts the year in the minors, which I think that's that's looking like what's going to happen, there's still the speed component to this team that it's lacking. And so if I could not only have a backup catcher for when Posey hangs it up or just ends up on the bench or whatever happens, not only do I have Varsho, but he's a guy who could swipe me some bags. I think he fits nicely with this roster, even though I think I'd rather in a vacuum. I think I'd rather have Sam Hilliard. And that's definitely going against the grain, right? Because Varsho has a much higher ADP. Yeah. And I I actually went and said I would keep Hilliard over Varsho. I don't know. And maybe this is like, I I took Varsho in my TGFBI and I took him pretty early and I'm feeling a little burned by that because I don't know that I'm going to get the value for him that I think I I paid. Um, So maybe I'm overreacting to that. But I just look at, I think Hilliard's going to have a regular job. I think he's going to steal you those bases you need. I agree with the concern at catcher, but I think 
my my sense is that keeping Varsha won't change the fact that you don't have a backup catcher for the beginning of the season anyways. I'm not really sure. I'm torn on this. I, I think I think Hampson is the easy cut of the three. I think the other two bring more to the table than he does. Yeah, the market would say Varsho is the keep. I, I'm zigging where everyone's zagging and saying Hilliard, but I think they're both good choices, and I think they're both better choices than Robbie Ray, who's the other option. Now, if I were to say, it sounds a lot like, uh, at least Pete, you're, because there's no backup per se on this roster to Posey, and when he were to hang it up, you lean Varsho. But if I were to say that, I have Adley Rutschman in the wings in my minor league system. Does that sway you to be like, does Varsho need to be cut because you've got Adley coming up in a year or maybe a year and a half when Posey times it right? Um, or do you still do you still lean Varsho? That might actually change everything because now it now it is in a vacuum at Hilliard versus Varsho. And I'm I get I'm kind of with Chad there, especially since you have McCutcheon in the outfield. You know, I think there's a there's a there's a chance. I think it's within his range of outcomes that McCutcheon hits 220 this year, falls down the lineup, and all of a sudden the guy that was Andrew McCutcheon is a ghost of himself, which you can make the case he already is. In which case, I think having a player like Sam Hilliard right there, who I I think probably has more speed upside than Varsho as it is, especially if Varsho is going to be a catcher and not an outfielder. I don't know if they've decided yet. They've got Carson Kelly, but their outfield is constantly changing. So anyway, it's it's a vacuum now with Rushman in the picture between Hilliard and Varsho, and I think I will. I think I'll go Hilliard, even though he's you know already 27 years old. I'd, I'd go with the Coors guy. So there you have it, Adam. Our advice is to cut Ray, Kramer, Hudson, Hampson, Pavetta, and we think Varsho. I don't think either of us would give you too hard a time for keeping Varsho over Hilliard, even though it's not the direction we would go. The others, I think, are, are more clear. So was that helpful? You glad you came on the show? You mad at us for talking down to your boy Robbie Ray? No, not at all. I was I was surprised at the um, the Rich Rodriguez was so uh, so much of an obvious pick, um, only because I wonder whether or not he'll still. Now again, this is a head to head league, so playoffs have to be in considered. September has to be a consideration, and I wonder if he'll still be the closer for the Pittsburgh Pirates come September. How many teams make the playoffs? Half, so six. Because that, so that's another big deal that I think people don't think about with head-to-head leagues or, or anything that has a playoff structure is if you're in a league with you know 12 teams and only four make the playoffs, like you can't over-index on September. You've got to get, you get, have there to, get first. to September. Yeah. Um, it's actually like it's the beauty of Major League Baseball last year the, being the exception. But the beauty of Major League Baseball is teams can't really plan for October. They've got to, they've got to get to October, except for in a few rare cases where one team is just head and shoulders above their division. But when you've got half the league making the playoffs, it's a little easier to look at your team and say, with or without Richard Rodriguez, my team is in. And if you feel like, you know, if you look at your team and you're like, I think this is a top two or three team. And so even if things don't go well, I'm going to be in that five or six. And so my focus is getting ready for the playoffs. Then I think, yeah, you could make a case for not keeping Rodriguez and, and playing the fab game a bit to get yourself the right closers lined up for, for the playoffs. If you're looking at your team and thinking, yeah, I think this is a playoff contender, but it's going to be close, or it's going to playoff contender, and like maybe I can finish third, fourth, maybe I'm going to be as low as eighth or ninth, then then I think you need to keep the closer and get those saves early in the season, even if it's only, you know, first of all, I think he's good enough to keep the job for a couple months. I don't see anyone else on that team who is like banging down the door to take it from him. And so he might be the closer in September. And I think even if all he does is get you a couple extra wins in the first couple months, 
if you're a borderline playoff team, like that really matters. Those are marginal wins that matter. And so that's that's where I was thinking about this was get to the postseason, worry about the postseason once you get there. Adam, from my perspective, and, and I'll, be, I'll be quick, I mean, in five by five, I don't really like to punt anything. And I, I don't know how many weeks you're going to be winning stolen bases. And so a lot of this would depend on Karinchak. If it is announced that Karinchak is not the closer, well, now you've got a really good reliever in Devin Williams who's not getting saves. You've got a really good reliever in Karinchak who's not getting saves. And then you have the Rays, quote, closer, who they had, what, eight different guys or 13 different guys last year get a save? I don't know where I got eight from. I think it was 13 different guys get a save. So then all of a sudden, if you're not getting saves and you're not really getting stolen bases, you're kind of putting yourself in a hole every week. So is the long-term upside of Varsho more important than in the short term, making sure you get those saves you get in the playoffs? For me, I'm, I'm looking short-term in something like this, and, and I'd rather have the guy getting saves. I think I got three saves for the Rays last year, actually. <laughs> so Yeah, I almost picked you up. I was, I was pretty... <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like everybody there got saves, but hopefully that was helpful. I think we should jump on to our next question. This came from a listener named Ian, who's in a 16-team head-to-head categories league. The categories are 5x5, five five, but they've added total bases and walks for batters and quality starts and K per nine for pitchers. I'm interpreting this as it's actually seven by seven. It's five by five plus those categories is I believe what he said. So total bases and walks for batters, quality starts and K per nine for pitchers. There is no price for keepers. He is keeping Trevor Bauer and Vlad Jr., which totally makes sense. Those guys are good baseball players. So sure. He's got one more keeper spot left, and his choices are Jose Altuve, Stanton, or Strasburg. Man, I think this is a tough, tough choice, and I'm I'm curious to see which way you guys go. So, Pete, you want to start us off? I do, because I'm actually the league manager of this league, and, and I know <laughs> that Ian's having a stressful time with this situation. Now, I've obviously got some inside info, but it's no surprise, and, and it shouldn't really be a shock to anybody, that pitching is at a premium. So when you're talking a 16-team league, if you decide with your pick to not take a pitcher, well, there's about to be like 32 picks or something like that before your next pick, and the starting pitching could fall off a cliff. With that said, you run the risk of Strasburg, who had the carpal tunnel syndrome and had to have surgery for it, and it's unprecedented, and we don't know what the deal is. And if you keep him and he gets hurt, you run the risk of Giancarlo Stanton being very capable of of rattling off an MVP award for the Yankees or Jose Altuve, who showed 30 homer power two years ago. And last year, although it was a disappointment, absolutely took off late in the season into the playoffs at, a, at second base, which you could make the case is just as thin as starting pitcher. I went with Strasburg because I do fear the starting pitching market. And based on what we saw in his first spring outing, where he, he, I think it was an inning and two thirds with like five strikeouts. And he said he felt fine. He said that the team is saying they're not viewing this as a rehab. They're viewing it as it's just his regular buildup. It was a 15 minute surgery. It seems like all systems are a go with Strasburg. And I would much rather keep Strasburg and all of a sudden, you know, he gets hurt or something like that. And Giancarlo Stanton goes off. Then keep Stanton, he gets hurt, and Strasburg goes off because the idea of missing out on an ace starting pitcher in a 16-team league, that just stresses me out. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, it really comes down to uh, a lot of what Pete said about the depth of the league. And I mean, my my home dynasty league's 12-teamer, and I, I know that you can grab 
pop up starting pitchers off the wire throughout the course of the year. And you get deeper and you get to those typical 15 team roto leagues. Everybody sees or hear, hears about how those pitchers get pushed up. And for good reason, because the, the, the cliff is just dives and you need to make sure that you're not just left you know holding the bag on that and you're not gonna be able to make up for that later on in your drafts now in this keeper scenario you have the opportunity of just keeping a guy like strasburg who could just still be along with bauer just like solidify the top of your rotation there's just as much risk with stanton as there is with strasburg for a lot of the reasons why pete said i mean that's i'd lean strasburg as well i don't think altuve should even be in the conversation based on what we're talking about here and what you already are keeping i just think it's going to be a lot easier in your draft to replace stanton whether it be production and it also depends on the Stanton qualify as an outfielder in in this league or is he ut only that's a great question. Stanton, I think in most most formats other than Yahoo, where he probably has second base, is DH only. And I can say that definitively for this particular league. And I don't think he's going to get outfield this year. No, absolutely not. And it makes a big difference, especially this year where there's a lot of <laughs> fluctuation. You know, I pointed out in a league that Chad and I are in that Jordan Alvarez is outfield eligible in Yahoo. And so I grafted him as an outfielder. And, you know, Gleyber Torres still has second base eligibility. So th- again, Yahoo, Anu has a lot of more flexibility as well this year, just because they did the same thing where they, they carried over position eligibility from years prior because of the shortened season. But in this league, Stan is DH only. It makes it even more obvious of a pick to, to go Strasburg. So I had initially said to stay away from Strasburg. And I don't just mean initially in this one. I mean, like for the last few months, because I've just been, it is such an unprecedented situation. However, I missed that he had made his first spring start. And I, I was just pulling up. He had four strikeouts in an inning and two third. He walked one. I have not seen a velocity reading. And so I'm curious about that. If Strasburg is healthy, I think this comes down to a sort of a risk aversion thing. And while there is a lot of risk with Stanton always, a couple months ago, I would have said, I'm not sure that Strasburg can pitch a full season, can pitch effectively. Like the last time he was out there, he couldn't grip and feel the baseball. And so how well he comes back from that was such a question mark. As that becomes less of a question mark, I think I'm, I'm starting to move more the direction you guys are and think, okay, maybe Strasburg is the pick. My initial reaction was Stanton just because I think I actually thought there was less risk with him, but maybe that's not as true anymore if Strasburg's on the mound and throwing well. I'm with you on Altuve, though, Adam. I think like he doesn't, he's just as risky as these guys and has less upside than either of them. And so to me, he's not part of the conversation. It's, it's a question of the other two, and it's a question of how risk-averse you are. I think you guys may have convinced me. Just some more context, I think, that would probably convince you further. Ian's got the sixth pick in the draft, so we could, we could do a quick compare-contrast if he doesn't keep Strasburg, we can assume he's going to take a pitcher with that pick. That pitcher maybe is Corbin Burns. I think it's far more likely he's going to have to choose between players like Lance Lynn and, I don't know, Carlos Carrasco. So would you rather have Stanton and Carrasco or Strasburg and Jordan Alvarez, who I would take over Stanton in a vacuum, especially in a keeper anyway, and that's going to be an opportunity that could be open to him with the sixth pick. Yeah, it does, that does make a difference for sure. If, if a guy like that's going to be there with the sixth pick, I can totally see that. So let's jump on to our next. We've got, we've been, I don't want to run too long here, and we've got two more to get to. I think I said before we had four, we actually have five questions. So this one comes from Someone on the Pitchless Discord named Lear, Leary, L-E-R-E. I don't know how to pronounce that, but 
This person is in a 10-team head-to-head six-by-six category league. I don't know what the categories are, so we'll assume they're relatively standard-ish categories, but six-by-six, it could be anything. They're allowed eight keepers at no cost, and they draft from there. He said that feels like the roster is a little scuffed. Another in the top dogs, he's unsure which direction to go with the roster. So let me read off the list of names here, and, and then we can talk about who are the eight that we think should be kept. He's got Jose Ramirez, Xander Bogarts, Ozzy Albies, Starling Marte, Kyle Tucker, Anthony Rizzo, Nelson Cruz, Austin Meadows, Jeff McNeil, Fran Mil Reyes, Jonathan Villar, Carson Kelly. Those are his bats. The arms are Max Scherzer, Kenta Maeda, Zach Gallen, Lance Lynn, Zach Wheeler, Joe Musgrove, Denelson Lamette, Matt Boyd, Carlos Martinez, Caleb Smith, Joe Jimenez, Dylan Cease, and Hansel Robles. Pete, you want to start us off? Uh, I'd be happy to because I, I got to defend Max Scherzer here, I think. So my my definites, I don't know if I'm going to have to defend him, but he's a definite for me in this group. I, I realize, obviously, a keeper and guys are keeping a lot of players, so I think that even makes it easier to keep older guys. But I would keep Joe Ram, Xander, Tucker, Gallon, Albies, and Scherzer without question. And that leaves two more spots. This is a really tough decision. I, I gave those two spots to Kenta Maeda, who I think made it, it just going to the twins was the best possible thing for this man's career. And that's not a shot at the Dodgers, but I just think he's a different pitcher now. And then I went with Austin Meadows, who Chad, I know you're a fan of that's tough over Starling Marte. But first, when you consider the ages, I mean, Marte's already 32 years old. Meadows crushing at the spring has, has shown for a complete season in the past that he he's legit. He's a really good player. I think by the end of the year this year, those two could flip in ADP, you know, in 2022 drafts, Marte's going where Meadows is going right now, and Meadows is going where Marte's going right now. So I'd feel comfortable going youth with that that eighth spot there and keeping those guys. Adam, what do you think? So this is a 10-team, again, head-to-head, of course. In, in this scenario, I would usually lean heavier on the hitting than I would on the pitching, just because that replacement level, again, uh, is going to be that much that much higher, especially on the wire. You know, I don't know what the rules are as far as how many how many guys they can pick up per week or if it's a daily move or a weekly move, but the opportunity to find a guy who's just outperforming what he should be doing on the mound in this in shallow of a league is, is much higher than in a 12 team or especially in a 15 or 16 team league. I think a lot of the bats mentioned J-Ram, Xander Albies, Tucker are pretty obvious keepers for me as well in this scenario. You still want to keep a high end starting pitching core, I, I think. So Maeda and Gatlin would definitely be up there. I, I, I lean to, I think Scherzer would be a keeper for me in this scenario just because I mean, it is the final year of his contract as well. He's going to be a guy who's, he's unless he gets hurt, like even when he gets hurt, like what he got, he punched himself in the eye or something and he still ended up going through an entire game. So he, he's got the gumption. He's going to, he's still going to put up the stats that, you expect out of him as long as you know his body will allow it to. So that, that's got me down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'd probably lean Meadows as well, just because this is a keeper league, and you do want to the upside of Meadows to Marte in the long term. You know, Meadows terrible year last year statistically, and most of that has to do with COVID. He has the opportunity. He's one of the few guys that you expect to still play every single day or at least close to it in Tampa. He's not really going to be platooned, in my opinion, as opposed to almost every other position in Tampa. Uh, so he has the opportunity to you know, surpass Marte and, and for, for a couple of years. 
Yeah, I think the I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force anyone to defend Scherzer. I don't think. I think he he makes sense. I think the challenge I have is I do tend to also lean offense here. I think in a ten teamer, pitching is actually relatively easy to find late, and I think the upside. I think the stolen bases of Marte are hard to pass on. I think the upside of Jeff McNeil, who I think is a better hitter than a lot of people realize, is is hard to pass on. I hate giving up Fran Mel Reyes's power, although I think that he's probably the easiest drop of those guys. And, and so I, I'd be a little bit torn on Scherzer on the basis that I think there's some risk that he's going to have some, he's got some neck and back issues and stuff like that, that, are, that can be really hard to pitch through. I don't know how much longer he's going to be pitching. And so whether or not he's a keeper again for you next year starts to factor in, especially in a league with no costs. And I do think it's easier to find pitching than, than hitting in, in a 10 teamer. But I, I'm not going to begrudge anyone keeping Scherzer here. <laughs> the guy is the guy's one of the best pitchers we've seen for for the last you know 10, 15 years, and so I've got no no issue with that. I, I just I think you're giving up some really interesting bats that bring some very valuable skill sets, and that's a little bit hard for me in this case. But the other seven, I totally agree with. I think for me, it just comes down to that Scherzer versus McNeil or Marte, I think is really the choice. That's, that's a tough one for me. So I, I hear you guys. I mean, I think if this was like five years ago, I think I'd, I'd agree, but I think finding pitching is, is going to be more difficult. You know, there's so many hitters now there's, there's middle infielders who five, six years ago hit eight home runs who are now looking at as like 20 home run hitters. I, in a 10-team league, I think that's going to be easier to replace. I think the middle class of pitching is disappearing. I think there's a really clear high-end group. And then it's like you know, those pitchers ranked between 25 and 65, we could see going in any which direction. So I have a, I have a hard time passing up arms that I think are going to be like as close to definite as possible. The back and neck issue is definitely concerning. I mean, like you would think that Scherzer would have to get hit by a truck to miss a start in the World Series. And he had to miss a start in the World Series because of that neck. But they really didn't creep up last year. Last year, he was out with a hamstring issue. So I just have a hard time giving up Scherzer. But I would totally understand Marte because of what you said, Chad, the skill set, the speed especially. The the other thing to consider, though, this is six by six. And the more categories you create, it it does give you the opportunity to not think about one of those categories a little bit more. And I know what you're saying in a five by five, you you know, you don't want to tank any one category. When you get into six by six, you know, stolen bases is just one of six categories, you know, one of six on the offensive side, not one of five. So you have a little bit more flexibility to kind of like forget about it. And if if there's a tiebreaker and you got to have a guy like Marte, who his number one skill set is going to get you 25, you know, maybe 30 stolen bases, you know, as long as he stays healthy throughout the year versus a guy like Meadows, who we talked about earlier, who probably has a little bit more potential to be, to give you a little bit more pop, maybe cut down the average a little bit and steal a little bit less bases just because he probably wants to stay healthy as well throughout the course of the season. I, 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 I lean toward not worrying about the stolen bases as much in this scenario, just because you have other categories that can make up for it or you have more opportunities. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I, I can definitely see that. I'm, I, I am, uh, I'm always sort of anti-pitcher. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. Hopefully like Nick isn't listening to this episode because <laughs> I'm probably going to lose my job, but yeah, I'm not, I, I'm a, I'm a 
that first guy. And so maybe that's maybe that's influencing me a little too much here. But like I said, I'm not even going to argue that they shouldn't keep Scherzer. I just think it's a tough choice. I think, Adam, your point about the six categories making stolen bases a little less valuable, I wish I knew what that sixth category was because <laughs> Jeff McNeil, there's certain things he's going to bring to the table that are going to like, he's going to do a little bit of everything across the board. And if that sixth category is something like on base percentage or even something like total bases, like he just brings a lot to the table in, in a lot of different ways. And so I'd be interested in him, but I, I think you guys are probably right. That Scherzer is probably the right pick. I'm just, I just don't want to do it. It's just not what, it's not this pick <laughs> I want to make, but I, but it's probably the right one. We've got one question left. This is from a listener named Josh, and Josh is in Switzerland. Pete, we have gone global on Keeper Cut. That's right, baby. That is right. Switzerland. Let's go. Josh is in a 14-team head-to-head weekly points league where he keeps four. And this is the one I mentioned way back at the beginning where there's a fab component. So when they make their keepers, there is a cost associated, and the cost is a draft pick. So he's told us what those are. I don't know if it's an escalating cost. I don't know what the details are. But in addition to that, you can keep anyone who is rookie eligible for just the draft round you have to give up for veterans that you keep. And that literally means anyone who is not rookie eligible. So veteran is a very loose definition of veteran. You can keep one of your four guys as a veteran for free. Then you have to pay 50 of your fab dollars for the next veteran you want to keep and 100 of your fab dollars for the third veteran you want to keep. Uh, he didn't even tell me what the cost was for a fourth. I don't think I want to know. It started, and, and they have 500 fab dollars. So keeping a veteran costs you 10% of your fab for the year. Keeping two veterans costs you 30% of your fab for the year, right? 50 for the first, 100 for the second. So it is a, it is a sizable cost. His choices for keepers, and it said he gets to keep four of these. He's got Tyler Glass now for a seventh round pick. Vlad Jr. for a ninth round pick, Corbin Burns for a 12th round pick, James Karinchak also for a 12th round pick, Dylan Carlson for a 13th round pick, Nate Pearson for a 15th, or Tarek Skubal for a 16th. He didn't explain to me in this thing's initial question of what would happen if he kept both Burns and Karinchak, because those are both 12th, so I'll assume he has to give up either the 11th or 13th for one of them. He seems pretty set on Vlad and Burns as two of them, which I get. Burns might be the best starting pitcher of this group, and a 12th round pick totally makes sense. Vlad is Vlad, totally get it. That does immediately burn $50 of his fab right there because those are both veterans. So he gets one of them for free, the other costs him 50 bucks. He's trying to decide on the other two. I'm curious what you guys think. My initial reaction is that Carlson is a rookie and only a 13th round pick, and to keep Carlson not have to spend any fab money on him and only give up a 13th round pick seems like the right place to start. Adam, you're our fab expert here. So what do you think? I mean, how how big of a cost is that fab and, and does it impact how you think about these keepers? Yeah. The, I mean, the fab component is interesting. You guys said it earlier. I haven't seen anything like this before. So there's a lot of people that go into their fab and they don't end up spending all their fab by the end of the season, which is ridiculous because you can't take it with you. You don't win anything for saving the most money. So I'll spend every single every single dollar and it's really important i think in fab to you know have a budget in mind throughout the course of the season knowing that hey i'm going to make a move every single week and i'm going to spend x percentage at least every week and then it gives and then whatever you have left over then that's what you use for like the big purchases if a closer shows up or you know a rookie gets called up or what have you in this scenario losing 30% of your fab to take on that extra, it better be really, really good value. Burns in the 12th, 
I'm all for it. I get, I totally get it. That's the best value for sure of everybody listed here based on the the round price that he's losing. So I get that. Vlad, you know, I, I'm a Vladito fan myself, and that's great value. At least what he's going for in redraft leagues right now, he's going in the fourth, and so that's a five round difference. So that's a good value as well. So I get those. You're gonna end up losing fifty dollars. So you're gonna lose up. You're gonna lose your ten percent of your fab already. But the jump up to that extra 50 bucks, you know, you're going to have 20, no, it ends up being, so that ends up being 20% of his fab because he'll just lose 50 bucks. No, it's, it's another hundred. It's the second guy costs a hundred. It's not a hundred for the two. The first veteran is free, right? So if he, if his first keeper is Corbin Burns, that's one veteran, no fab cost, just the round. The second veteran is $50 of fab. So if he keeps Vlad as the second guy, that's $50 gone. His third veteran is another hundred dollars. Right. It doesn't take him up to hundred; it's another hundred. So if he keeps, let's say, Glass now as his third guy, he's now out one hundred and fifty. Fifty for Vlad, hundred for Glass now. Yeah, that that makes that makes a little bit more sense here. Glass now is you know losing the seventh round pick, obviously not a big deal. I think he's going on average in the fourth round as well. I don't think that losing that extra that extra fab is going to be worth that. Again, this is going to be depend on who is being sent back out there as well. I think I'm going to end up leaning toward just keeping two of the rookies because they're not going to not going to lose the my flexibility throughout the season to make the moves that I feel like I'm going to need to. And you're still going to have a whole draft ahead of you to make up for the glass nows or like, I, I'm like, I'm not even considering Karen Jack here as well. That's not a consideration. So it points you said earlier, you know, there's, there's a non-zero chance he's not end up being the closer anyway. For me, it's between the three rookies, Carlson and Pearson is you know, the obvious ones over Scooble just based on how much they're going to play this year. Also something to consider as well. These are guys you're going to consider. Are you going to keep them next year as well? Cause they're not going to be rookie eligible after this year. They're going to cost you that fab um, to keep the year after. And so they've got to be able to produce this year because more than likely, no matter how good, you know, good maybe any of these guys are, they might not, they're probably not going to be keepers for you next year, especially if you're going to cost you extra fab. So I probably end up going Carlson and Pearson um, over glass now just because I, I really want to have that flexibility in season to make the moves I need to. Pete, what do you think? So there's a few things here. First of all, he says it's points. So that immediately to me, I'm thinking starting pitcher. On top of that, 14-team league, pitching is going to be incredibly thin. Even if he he could use that seventh round, between the seventh round pick, he could use that on a starting pitcher. He could keep, keep Pearson, and then he could spend that $100 fab, and he could still be looking for a player of Tyler Glasnow's caliber. Now, Glasnow has his own struggles. He's brutal in the playoffs. But you look at him down the stretch last year, he was pretty awesome. The walk rate went down. For me, I'm just buddy. I want I want the closest to sure thing that I can get. And I think when we're talking starting pitching, there's not a whole lot of sure things out there. But I want Glasnow. I'll, I'll bite the bullet on the fab. Otherwise, I, I agree with everything. I think Carlson is literally the most obvious choice here because not only is he free, but he's high end and he's a late round pick. With Vlad and Burns, I, I totally understand those as well. But Pearson and Scooball, I'm just I'm not convinced if it was a rookie like someone equivalent to Carlson. I don't know. Alec Baum lost his rookie eligibility. So I, I, I don't know. For, maybe Cabrian Hayes, for example. Absolutely. I would take him. But Scooball probably not going to start the year in the rotation. Pearson already battling a groin injury on top of being absolutely awful last year. 
in a 14 teamer, I'm not sure how easy it's going to be to replace class. Now I'm biting the fab bullet. If class now was a, was a free agent, I think I would spend a fifth of my fab to get him. So I, I'm, I'm going to hold on to glass now here and just bite the seventh round pick and the massive hit. The other piece that's, that's in here that Josh mentioned when he asked the question is that he is shopping glass now in a trade. He hasn't found a taker yet, but he is trying to trade glass now, which I'm not sure if like he can trade for draft picks or for minor leaguers or someone who has no cost stash. If he can do that, that, that maybe changes things. I, when I thought about this, the first thing that came to my mind was, let's say that for whatever reason, it's the first week of the season and Glass now is a free agent. And I had to make a decision to, let's say, cut Pearson and spend my fab dollars on Glass now. What would I spend? I would gladly give up, like Pete said, more than $100 of my $500 of fab to add Glass now. And the other aspect that I don't know, and I don't have this information, is as I'm looking at this, like I'm finding it hard to look at his team and not justify Glass now. And if I can justify Glass now on this team, I wonder how many other teams are in a similar position. And is that $500 of fab? Is it misleading? Like, is what this is really going to do is there's going to be two or three bad teams that have no veterans worth keeping or are so bad that they don't want to justify keeping their veterans, and they're going to store their fab in order to spend it during the season. But every other team is going to end up giving up at least 50 and probably more like $150 in fab. And so then all of a sudden, yes, you're giving up that you know 30%, but if everybody else is giving it up, at least you're starting on relatively even footing. It's very different if in this league, everybody just keeps only rookies and all those free, you know, first of all, it means that all those veterans are in the draft, which means it's easier to replace them. And it also means that your 350 is just, you're, you're stuck, right? You don't have any money compared to everyone else. I don't have that context, but it was the other thing that came to mind for me. And I think those are the factors that probably push me one way or the other on on Glass now versus Pearson. And I do think it's Pearson over Scooball. I think if I've got to choose between those two, um, Pearson's going to get more time. I think he's got more upside. I, I like him better. Yeah, it's man. I don't know. I think I'd be inclined to give up the fab money too. But I feel like we're just insulting Adam and his fab expertise by being like, fab money, burn it, throw it away. Throw it away on Tyler Glass now. It's not really throwing it away. The, the other value to consider here is not just the fab that you, you could be saving, but the the value that Glass now has in the seventh round, losing the seventh round pick, where he's going in redraft leagues right now in the fourth round. So, I mean, it's a three-round jump. Would you not say that if you were to throw him back, you'd be willing to spend that fourth-round pick? So if Glass now had a fourth-round price tag, but no fab component, would you keep him in that scenario? venture to guess that yes you absolutely would like i'd rather i I guess i'd just say i'd rather take the chance on grabbing glass now again in the fourth round where there's gonna in a 14 teamer more than likely a few of those teams kept guys that have a first second third or fourth round price tag so they're not in those so chad to your point in a draft that you're doing where your 23rd pick ends up becoming a 16th pick so this pick in their fourth round, maybe he's at the top of the fourth round instead of the bottom of the fourth round. So he has more, he has a stronger possibility of getting him back in that scenario. And he gets, and he keeps his, and he keeps his fab. That's all good points. I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier. How comfortable are you putting someone back in an auction or back in a draft that you're going to get them back? I think I'd rather keep glass now, give up the seventh round pick. And honestly, the way pitching is, especially in a 14 teamer, Take a pit, take another pitcher with that fourth round pick. So now I've got Glass now and a, another high end guy, in addition to Burns. And now I'm looking pretty good. But it, it, it's a lot to consider. Those are all good points. So Josh, we didn't really help you at all. 
You had already basically decided on Vlad and Burns. I think you were pretty set on Carlson. Josh is also, he's a Cardinals fan. So I think Carlson, you know, gets the the hometown bonus points <laughs> as well. So he was, so, so far what we've told you is you're right about the three guys you were interested in. And it's a tough call on the others. Yeah, I, I think I think there there's some data we don't have around who is going to be in the draft, how many other people are giving up their fab and things like that that I think would would push this one way or the other. For me, if everybody's giving up their fab to keep their veterans, that means that the draft is going to be weak. It means that Glass now won't last till the fourth round, and you should probably keep him and be on even fab footing as everyone else. If everybody's keeping their their fab, then the draft is going to be deep. You can get glass now back in the fourth round and you might be better off keeping Pearson and keeping your money. That's, that's basically how I would look at it, but I'm not going to, I don't know. It's a tough call. Yeah. If you're going to be on the same footing on fab, then that would convince me to keep glass now as well. If you knew that the rest of your league was also going to have $350 going into the year or less, there's no real advantage per se to be the one person that has all $500. But if you have the same amount, you're still bidding the same percentage of your fab each week onto the guys that everybody's going to want. So you just have to make good decisions from there. So we've now gone through our five keeper decisions. We will get this out to our listeners quickly so that they can use those answers. But before we go, we always end with our auto new question of the day. Pete, what do you got for me this time? This is going to be a little bit longer of a pod. So I kind of wanted to make it something simple and just kind of leave it up to you. We're all I know a lot of people have already done their auctions, but there's also a lot who have not yet. What is the one piece of advice, I guess, like going into our auctions, what is the number one piece of advice you would give someone for their new auction? That is a really good question that could take a long time to answer if I, (laughs) but uh, I think the number one piece of advice I would give is to know how you value players. I'll be very specific and say when I say I know how you value players, I literally mean how you value players and not how everyone else does and not what the market does and not like that's not the question. And and, and the reason I say that is you need to know who are the guys that you value more than everyone else. You need to know how much you're willing to spend on people and you need to be know when you're going to back off. In a first year league where you're starting up from scratch, this is super, super important early because you can completely mess up your team by being like, oh, a few extra bucks in this guy, a few extra bucks in that guy. And all of a sudden you have two guys you love and no, nothing left you can do. In subsequent years where you're working off of a keeper base, you need to know how you're going to fill out your roster and you have to have sort of a, a budget in mind for how you're going to do that. Don't just look out and say, oh, this is what this guy goes for on average, right? AutoNew publishes all the average values. They publish median values. They publish the last 10. If you go into your AutoNew leagues, if you go into the players tab, you can find an average salaries page. And so you can see what what do guys go for? What do they typically cost? What have they cost in the last 10 places they've been added? So there's really great data there. That's super useful, but don't rely on it as your values for your players. So make sure when you sit down to your auction, if someone said to you, how much are you willing to spend on Freddie Freeman? It's okay if you say, I don't know, somewhere between 45 and 50, but you have to have an answer like that. You don't have to say it's $47 exactly. You don't have to say it's $53 exactly. You you have to know roughly where it's going to be, and you have to be willing to stick to that. But as you're setting those values, again, especially in those subsequent year leagues where you're not in a startup mode, the importance of setting those values, not by the market and not just by a guy's production, but by your value is you need to know things like if you think Freddie Freeman is a $45 first baseman in a first year league, but you need a first baseman 
and there are no other first basemen available until you get down to CJ Crone, who I love and you should be very happy to have for five, six, maybe $10, that changes Freddie Freeman's value. And you need to know that to you, if you need a first baseman and Freeman's going to put you over the top, he might be a $45 guy, but you're willing to go to 60 for him. And you need to be prepared for that. On the other hand, if Freeman's the only first baseman available, but you've got two stud first basemen you really like, you've got Pete Alonzo and you've got, say, Matt Olson. You're a big fan of Matt Olson. You're a big fan of Pete Alonzo. You've got these two guys. They are covering first base and util for you. Freddie Freeman might be a $45 player, but he is not a $45 player to you. Because how much, you, how much do you really want to pay Freddie Freeman to push Matt Olson to your bench? Now, there is some dollar figure there, right? If, if Freeman stalls out at 20 bucks, pay for him. You'll figure it out later, right? Like who cares if that leaves you with a hole at shortstop or something like that? Just take the $20 Freddie Freeman, you're good to go. As soon as he gets up near 35, 40, even if he's a discount, even if he's underpriced, he may not be underpriced for you because of what you're trying to do with your team. So take the time, look at your team, look at the free agents who are out there, figure out how much you value the guys you're going to bid on, and then stick to those values. Don't don't let yourself get caught into like, oh, it's just one extra dollar, it's just one extra dollar, it's just one extra dollar. Those dollars add up. So that's it. That's my one piece of advice if I'm only allowed to give one. That was perfect. Thank you, Chad. I'm just going to continuing to write these down so I can blow away our draft uh, on the 21st. With your $20. With my $22, sir. $22. <laughs> Adam, you you've done you know, this is your second year doing an auto new league, I believe, right? So what does that does that resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The we just finished up our second year draft yesterday or last night. I, I definitely went in. I went into this draft being the guy that had I think I had twenty five roster spots to fill and only about sixty some odd dollars to spend it on. Uh, so I was the, I was the guy. It's a rough place to it, be. <laughs> it was, it was a lonely place to be at the end of the auction when it was just me uh, with about $15 left and still about 10 spots to fill and just nominating $1 guys and just waiting for the clock to run out because nobody else had roster spots to bid on them. So that part was nice being able to like, if I know if I nominate this guy, I'm going to get him. But do I, I got to a point where I'm like, but do I want any of these guys? Um, so I ended up, ending the auction early i still have five roster spots open like 10 bucks to spend on but i just i didn't see anybody else out there that was worth you know spending the money on and a lot of it had to do with how i spent my money in my first year auction you know i overpaid for a lot of guys you know i still have acuna at like i think he ended up with arbitration going up to about 61 or 62 dollars i kept him this year going into this year trevor story above 40 dollars uh, so I have some high price guys, you know, and it really kind of cuts into my flexibility of what I can do later on. And I, I went into this draft thinking, again, I, I do have, I have my values on these guys. It's what's really hard is like seeing a guy come up that you didn't really think about and think, oh, you know what? I really like that guy. Or I think that it'd be a really good fit in my team. I can't believe I didn't think about him and just hitting that bid button and being like, oh, wait. Like I really should have thought about that more. And now he he fits on my team, but I, that money that I just spent on him, I can't spend on a guy that I had planned on. Having that plan, I think, is really important to kind of stick to it as best as possible, at least not break apart from it early on in the auction. Yeah, I think to that point, one of the things I like to do when I make my plan, and I can't always do this, but in ideal circumstance, I have like, let's say I have 10 spots I need to fill. I have seven to eight things I know I need. 
I need a second shortstop. I need two more starting pitchers. I need two more outfielders, whatever it is. And then I have two that I just, I always list them on my budget is TBD. Let's see how the draft goes. We'll figure it out because that gives me the flexibility in my plan to say, okay, I don't really need this guy, but I'm super excited about the value. I'm going to go get him. Now, again, if that's a $40 on a $45 Freddie Freeman that I have no use for, that may break my budget anyways, but at least I have those roster spots set aside so that I can look and be like, okay, well, if I spend seven bucks on this guy that I wasn't expecting to buy and I adjust some other budgets here and there, at least I have a roster spot. And I don't, at, least, at least I don't leave myself in a situation where it's like, well, now I don't have a catcher, which can happen if you think you need everything and then you, you break from plan. So I think that's a good point. So... Thank you, Adam, for joining us on this edition of Keeper Cut. Really exciting to have our very first guest on the show. Once again, for people, this is Chad Young. This is the Keeper Cut podcast. You can subscribe everywhere that podcasts are subscribable. I don't know if that's a word, but if it is, that's where you can find us. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keeper Cut. That's cut with a K. And we'll be back next week with more on Keeper Leagues, Auto New Leagues, and all long-term fantasy baseball.